Thank you for listening to a Wednesday night class from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these classes or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's class. If I could direct your attention up here to the screen, if you would like to get your handout ready, let's take a look at some of these elements here. Thank you. There we go. All right. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 12 um, is going to be up on the screen. You can see it in little teeny tiny print also. But what I want for you to see in the book of Colossians, and one of the reasons it's my favorite, is that we live in a syncretic world. And by that, it's like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a whole bunch of this and a whole bunch of that. Throw it all together and it mixes up and voila, you should have the best life possible. And so you take faith points from this point. You take secular ideas from from another point. You throw in your own selfishness and you call it Christianity. And what Paul is addressing in Colossians was what we would call the Colossae heresy. You might have heard of the word Gnosticism. There's a belief that that was a part of um, this area of the world. And Gnosticism was secret knowledge. So if you had the magic words or you had the right practice or you were part of the right little kind of secret sect, you would get to know God. In the Colossae area, there was also Jewish mysticism. And so you could have all of these really interesting ideas about God and about how you had to become a Jew first or that God would only bless you through Sabbaths or full moons or something like that. And Colossians chapter 2 talks about those kind of festivals and that really they don't bring you any closer to God because it's Christ alone. And then you had the imperial cults and the Roman way of doing things. And and Colossae was this cosmopolitan city that had all of these different worldviews swirling around. And the church was confused about what to believe in. And one of the reasons I like Colossae is it reminds me of Web City and America. Because how many times have you gotten into an argument with somebody, and I, I mean that in a kind way, a discussion about God's way of doing things. And people look at you and go, oh no, that's not relevant. You have to add this or you have to add that. Or if you don't have this practice, it's not going to work in the right way. Or just pray more or go to church more. You know, sometimes that doesn't work because that's not what you need. You don't need more of an activity. You need a closer relationship with Christ. That's what you need. And so Paul is going to speak about that. So when you look at this, I put, does our faith consist of Jesus plus something else Or Jesus alone. This is Colossians. Jesus alone is what this is talking about. And so what I want for you to think about as we go through this is how close are you to God, specifically Christ? Now, I grew up in a church that talked about Jesus in the past tense and the future tense, but never in the present tense. He lived. He was crucified. He died. He was raised and he's coming back again in the future. Well, when we look at Ephesians, Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the person of the Trinity that sends us the Holy Spirit. Jesus is active. But I did not have an active Jesus theology. What I had was Jesus was and Jesus will be someday. But right now we just sort of pray to God in some way and to the Father. And as I've looked at the scripture, what I have noted is that Jesus has some very specific roles. And so as an elder, I will sometimes specifically for my own practice um, talk to Christ himself. I mean, he's the head of the church. And as an elder, I'm an under shepherd. And I would figure that he would know what we should get done. And so it's, it's more of a discipline for me. I didn't grow up that way. It feels a little weird still. I just want you to know that. I rarely pray out loud. To Jesus. I often pray to the Father because that's what Jesus told us to do. But I recognize that I will ignore him. I don't know about you. I'll just, it's like he doesn't exist. Yet I'm supposed to be his disciple and I'm supposed to follow him and I'm supposed to put his words into my life. And I didn't grow up with that and it's really easy for me to dismiss that. And so when I look at Colossians, what I'm looking at is Paul saying, hey, there is this relationship that you need to have with Jesus. 
Jesus means Jehovah saves. It is this interactive relationship. And what Paul is going to unpack in four very short chapters is a microcosm of what this looks like. And so we're going to start unpacking it and just kind of looking at some of these really big ideas. You'll find them in Romans. You'll find them in Ephesians. You'll find them smattered all around within the New Testament. And Paul sort of condenses them. And then what he says, if you live in a world that says you need more than Jesus, you need Jesus plus something else, just put that in there, Um, then you need Colossians. Because your salvation, your life is in Jesus alone. And we express that through our methodologies. And so I just kind of want to unpack that with you as we go along. So what I'd like to do is um, just read this out loud. And I'd like for you to read it with me if you can see it or on your sheet. If you want to, um, I don't know if I'm just going to be in your way here. Um, If you um, can't see it all that well, just listen to it. And it's two slides. And I just want to read it and I want you to get a sense about how Paul is going to be introducing this idea of the gospel to us. We're going to start in uh, chapter one, verse three, uh, because I couldn't fit all of them on two slides, you know, all the verses. So I I skipped the greeting. So this is Paul and uh, this is what he has to say. So if you would read this um, out loud with me, I want to stand right over here. Um, Let's read it together. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard of it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now, this is free tonight only. This is the price of tonight's message, if you will. This slide is a great slide for you to make part of your life. This is is a nice little summary. Notice we haven't stopped praying for each other. Uh, We are in this together and I want to encourage you. You're getting to know the people around your table and I want to suggest that you pray for um, your family members, brothers and sisters that you sit with. And I want to suggest that you will do that on a regular basis. Even even if you forget their name, say, Lord, you know, the people at my table uh, or the people in this class, I want you to pray for them because what we're trying to do is push the darkness back and the darkness shoves back on us. What we're trying to do is live as light in the world. And the world is trying to snuff that out. And you can feel that in a stronger way on some days. You just don't know what your day is going to bring. So I would like for you to start praying for each other if you have not yet. Notice this next one is that you ask God continually to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. I would like for you to begin praying to the Holy Spirit to ask for insight. Insight. This is one of the things that I pray for. And, and I'll just do that because notice the Spirit gives it. And again, we have a triune God. And if your history is like mine, you might feel weird just praying to the Spirit. Well, the Spirit lives inside of you. And so sometimes I'll just say, you know, Holy Spirit, would you please give me insight? 
It's like God is already with me. He's closer than my skin. But it's about me focusing my attention on the person of God in my life. And so I just pray, just give me some insight right here. I just need a sense about what's going on. You guide me through this. One of my favorite illustrations when I started doing this was I would pull up to the house on my way home. And we had three kids and a dog. And my wife was there at the house. And I would pull up from working at um, the college, and sometimes I would be thinking about school, or I'd be thinking about church, and I would pull up, and I would look at my house, and I would go, oh yeah, I have to go in there. I've got three kids, I've got a wife, I've got responsibilities, and I am not ready to go in there, because the skills that we need as, as workers are not the same skills that make for successful family life. I just don't. I mean, confrontation, performance evaluation plans. Honey, I just want to talk to you about your performance evaluation for just a little bit here. It does not go well. So tell me, why, why is the laundry all piled up? Oh, let me tell you about piled up laundry. Blah! It's like, oh my goodness, I stepped into the middle of something I did not even see coming. We're using the wrong skills to try to accomplish the right thing. And I'm a guy which means I suffer from dense male syndrome. I'm not going to get it. And to make that transfer will sometimes be more difficult for me. I don't know about you, but if you have to shift on a dime, you have to change right away, it might be difficult for you. And what I learned was getting home and trying to have the right kind of experience at home was really difficult for me. So I'd pull up and I would just admit, I can't do this. So Spirit, I need you to get me ready for whatever is on the other side of that door. And I would take like 20 steps to get into my house. And every time I did that, I actually had a much better experience. I can't remember any time that I had a big conflict. Because something happened to me that I cannot explain. I don't know what it is. I, just, I don't even know what happened. It's like I was just more easily able to blend in with my family and draw them to me than if I walked in cold. I need God to help me live the big life he has blessed me with. I need him. And so I, I want you to pray. I want you to ask for the spirit who is with you. I mean, he can even read your mind. You don't even have to say any words. Help me in this moment to be the person I need to be and then act. How long does it take him to answer a prayer? No time at all. And in fact, when I'm really feeling a little sassy, I will say, you know, I know, Lord, that you're sitting on your throne right now. Don't even get up. Don't bother. Just speak the words. Do you remember in chapter one when he spoke the words, what happened? He created a world out of nothing. And so I will ask him to just speak the words or maybe, maybe Lord, if you just think the words, it will work out. Just don't, don't strain yourself. Just go ahead and do it. Now, I know that sounds a tad bit sacrilegious, but I'm a tad bit sacrilegious when it comes to that. And I'm looking at this going, how can I stay focused on how amazing he really is? That's my question. How can I stay focused on amazing, how amazing God is? And so sometimes I'll do that. Notice this, you, you pray that so that you can live a certain way. So that you will have the understanding, you will have the empowerment to live in a way that pleases God. That's what I want. At the end of my life, I want well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I'm going for. And I want to have that renewed. So you bear fruit, you're strengthened with all power, and you give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance, not because you have an amazing life, but that he has given you eternal life. So my last little idea here in verse 12, and you can see some of that is, when was the last time that you had a really bad day, that you thanked God, that he gave you eternal life, and didn't bellyache about what a rough day you had? I mean, this really challenges me. It doesn't say, give thanks to the Father who has given you exactly what you wanted today. It doesn't say that. It says, remember your priorities, Peter. Remember, you're not of this world. You're going somewhere else, and this is going to be really difficult for you sometimes. Don't forget who you are or where you're going. And I look at that and I go, that's really helpful for me. Thank you, Lord, to, to bless me in that way. So those are some of the elements that I would challenge you with. And that's a great slide for you to look at. So you have this idea of in Christ alone. This is a word cloud. And a word cloud just simply means how many times is that concept 
or those truths um, are laid out for you within a particular uh, bookended uh, bookended writing. And so this is Colossians, and this is the whole idea of only Jesus or Christ alone. And you can see that it really jumps out at you. Um, then what you have uh, is this, you know this lyric, I put it up here because I really like it, um, which we start singing about that. And so I give this to you also devotionally. You know, if you're really wanting to live by the power of the Lord and not your own, you'll notice that you're not on here at all, is that your physical strength, your emotional strength, your spiritual strength, your ability to be morally pure is found in Christ. That's what Colossians says. It's not found in waking up on the right side of the bed. It's not found in doing everything correctly. I was talking to the table over here that in the addiction literature, we use a little short acronym HALT, H-A-L-T. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And I know that there's some people that will add some things. But if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you're more likely to fall. You're more likely to fall. Because those elements are right near your emotional area. And you remember when I have told you your emotional area kicks up in less than one second? And if you don't have a good response, you will go back to your old pattern responses. And so in Christ alone, we will find our strength in what we need. And that's what Colossians is talking about, not in you. So keeping your focus on Christ alone, notice Paul is creating a clear focus of who Jesus is for us. Who Jesus is for us. And one of the elements I want to turn your attention to is how do you want to begin um, inviting Christ into your life? in new ways or in productive ways or in ways that remind you. So, you know, sometimes I'll pray to Jesus, especially as an elder. And I don't know, I don't know what happens in the spiritual realm, but that's really good for me to be able to do that. And then you have here uh, the statement of what is the testimony of the power of the gospel in your life? What is the testimony of the power of the gospel? So I pulled this out from Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Here's one of my Um, important thoughts that comes from the Barna research on stop number five. I want to take you back to last week. If you weren't weren't here last week, uh, Barna did some research and he found that as people are growing and they get frustrated, they stop at more activity, more activity. And the more activity you have and the emptier you are, the more that you have a form of godliness without its power. You look good But you have no power and ability to live the big, amazing life that God wants for you to live. So I don't want to throw stones at anybody. I just want you to think of a person who looks good as a Christian individual or has looked good and completely collapsed. That may have been you at some point. I don't want to I don't want to belabor that. It might be somebody that you know and love. I don't want to belabor that, but I want you to see that what can happen to us is we can look really good, we can go to church, we can do all the right kinds of things, but in the end we have no power and no ability. And so my question for you tonight, as you look at this and the whole spiritual um, growth, is what is the power in your life that allows for you to be different, to really be growing, to move through that more and through brokenness into some kind of healing so that you have this sense that God is at work in my life, helping me to really grow and flourish. Um, So you have this idea of understanding God, filling us with an understanding of his ways and encouraging us to live out our in Christ purpose um, so that we can actually make a difference in the world. So um, this comes from Brief Solution Focused Counseling. It is a Christian approach. It's called the Miracle Question. And I want to lay it at your feet and then I want you I want to challenge you, if you are not journaling, to consider journaling the answer to this question, which we have not done the discipline of journaling just yet. We're going to talk about different ways to journal, but this is one of them. Here's the, here is the actual question that we will give to people. I give this to porn addicts that I work with. There was one young man in particular that had been viewing pornography for as long as he could remember. That means starting at age six. And I was working with him at age 19. He was a missionary child. Grew up on the mission field. He was exposed to porn at age six. He looked at it almost every single day. From the time that he was six until he ended up in my office. 
And I looked at him and I said, tell me, if you were to go to sleep tonight and God were to heal you and you would no longer have any recollection of how porn has affected your life and you would have no more interest to look at it, what would your life be like? I see very little physical reaction to this question. It looked like I had slapped him in the face. He just looked at me. His eyes got really big. And the first words out of his mouth were, I have no idea. I was ready for that. The response is, then you will never get rid of it. If you can't see your life without the sin, you will never be able to get rid of it because you have to have a vision of what your life is going to be like. Because sin is structured into your life on the unconscious level. Let me take it back to the, the, uh, the amygdala, that mind. Remember, you, you have all of this practice that comes into you and it goes into that short-term memory. And when that emotion goes off, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Can you imagine a kid who's nine who might be hungry, angry, lonely, and tired? A kid who's 13, having raging hormones, who's hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And what he has in his mind is, look at porn, look at porn, look at porn. Guess what he's going to do at 19, 20, 21, and 22 when that happens? He he has structured sin in his life. And the only way out of it is a new structure. It's a new structure. And God gives us that structure. That's That's what a lot of our Christian practice is. I don't want you to think of this as legalism, but sometimes if I could say it this way, you need to be legalistic in the healthiest way about certain practices. You have to be. This guy looked at me and he said, I have no idea what my life would look like. Six weeks later, he gave me his first attempt to look at it. I think this might be what my life is like. And I looked at him and I said, is that what you really want? And he said, I don't know. I don't know. I appreciate his honesty. When you have to give up something like that, this is is what we're dealing with. Is what, what gets put inside of us that really damages us. And so when you look at this idea about um, having God be able to change you. The very first thing that I would ask you to write, I know you well enough now, you know my heart, I'm not meaning to pick at anything, I want you to write, what does a mature you look like? As though the particular issue you're dealing with has been restored to you in a healthy way. What does that look like for you to get up in the morning and you're patient all day long? What does it mean that you're no longer a yeller? What does it mean when you're not beating yourself up, being a perfectionist? What does it mean when you're actually working out your life and you're going back to living water on a regular basis? What does that look like? Because that becomes the template by which you lay before the Lord and say, would you make me like this? So when I would ask my kids, what does it look like for you to be mature and grown up and and to handle disappointment? And they're like, I don't know. And say, let's work on that. Let's work on that. Because do you know any adult that's not disappointed? Our kids can't handle disappointment. They just don't know how to process it. And so what I started with was looking at this. What would your life look like? And so um, this is called the miracle question Uh, for us as Christians. This is really a great question. Do you see this? So I have people write out what it is. You cannot tell my wife this. I mean, she's not in class and she doesn't listen to this. So I can tell you this. On my 25th wedding anniversary... I was at Nationwide Youth Roundup on the day of my anniversary. This is a standing commitment. And it just falls at the time on my anniversary and my daughter's birthday. So my wife is gracious enough to let me have a little bit of leeway. And I remember sitting on the edge of my bed on that day all by myself at a camp where I'm working as a camp counselor to whoever needed to talk about something. And before the day started... I sat there and I thought, Lord, what could be a really good present to my wife today? She's not here, but what could be a good present? And I opened up my journal and I wrote, what would be a good husband for my wife? Sometimes I'll take it 
and I'll read it um, out loud. I, I've read it to a couple of my classes, but it's really for me. And um, I will actually open it up and I will read through that and I will ask myself, am I being that person? Is that what my vision is? Am I staying focused on my idealism of what did I set out to accomplish on my 25th wedding anniversary? We have been married now for 33 years. That was eight years ago. And I'll still open it up and go, how am I doing? How am I doing? Because that refocuses me. Because if you're like me, you get going and you might forget some area that you have a weakness in. You're like, ah, I just need to remember. I've got to get up and talk to her when she walks in the house rather than just sit around and wait. I've got to I've got to initiate in some way. And so I wrote that all out. Well, the reason that I put it in there was somewhere around, oh, our 22nd or 23rd anniversary. It took me 10 years to finish this journal. I am not a big journaler. I don't don't I don't use this this particular journal for that. Super slow. I have another journal for this transformative thing that I'll tell you about. But this is kind of my who do I want to be when I grow up journal. It took me 10 years to to finish the whole thing from start to finish. And um, I was looking at it one day and I said, Vanna, who should get my journal? Which one of our kids? And she said, kids, nothing. I get your journal. She's not allowed to read my journal. I mean, it's mine. We have very little, very few secrets in our marriage. And one of those is my dresser drawer that I can put her presents in, which she is not allowed to sneak in. So if she sneaks in, she doesn't tell me. And the other one is my journal. Because somehow my wife thinks that everything that's mine is hers. And I don't, I don't feel the same way about that. I'm, I'm perfectly fine not looking through her bra drawer or something. You know, I'm great about that. So you can hide anything you want to in there. I don't really care. But she, she like thinks whatever is mine is hers. And I'm like, okay, but you cannot look in this. And I made a big deal out of it. Because the day that she opens that up and she reads it, what do you expect that I want for her to react like on that day? Number one, I'd like for her to cry. That would be really good. Number two is I would like for her to say thank you. That it actually came true. The reason we journal is to remember. To remember and to be connected. Because I can't get back there eight years later. I know that I was sitting on the edge of that bed, but I can't remember what I was thinking. But I wrote it down and I can go back and I can read it. It's the miracle question. It has guided my marriage for eight years. Who do you want to be, Peter, when you grow up to be the right kind of husband? (laughs) Don't tell anybody. Just be the right kind of husband. You could write it for anything. Parenting, an employee, friend, your own relationship with Christ. It's right in my journal. And I love it. It's right kind of in three quarters of the way through. I want to suggest to you, if you do not journal and you're interested in writing something down, you do this. I want to also suggest that you actually write it in your scrawly handwriting, if you can do it. It's better to write it and go slow than to type it into an electronic device. It actually is better for you to take your time and write it because it slows you down and helps you to think things through. And you don't have to write a lot but what you write as you get going is really an expression of who you are. I have some letters in my grandparents' handwriting. I have a letter in my mom's handwriting. She died at 42 from cancer. I look at that handwriting and I remember a lot more than my mom and my grandparents. There's something about that piece of paper that is more than something typed on a page. And I want to encourage you, if you want to pass on faith, if you really want to make a difference, I want to suggest that you might actually have a journal that answers that question. So here's your first one is write a letter to yourself about how you see the in Christ identity taking shape in your life. Just spend some time on that. I mean, you've got plenty of time between now and the end of the year to look at this. I know you're really busy and I'm asking you to do something that you might not be able to do right away. But I want you to begin thinking about that. And um, I actually have the first part of my journal is a total failure. I hate the first part of my journal because it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to write in my journal. And then when I finally figured it out, the, uh, probably one eighth of my journal, I don't like at all. But I, I haven't ripped out the pages because the back pages will fall out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't like that at all. And I just kept on going. And then it started to take shape. It's kind of my, 
my journey with that. So, and so I've got right about the miracle question. You can do it about any particular area. So um, then pray with another person about who you want to be. I mean, just, just give out some of those characteristics for people. Nothing exceptionally personal. Um, let me give you this. Um, I have found this to be true. Now we're going to move into transformational kinds of things right now. And I want to take you to somebody who's been really, really stubborn. I know you might not be able to read this all that well. It says 45 to 60 minutes a day to work on something that has been really stubborn. Now what we're doing is we're moving away from, oh, this is a cute little 10 minute exercise to if you really want to change and there's an area of your life that is embedded, what I have noticed is it takes about 45 continual minutes to really work on that particular issue. And when you get started, you need that 45 minutes every day. So let me take you back to porn addiction. This is, this is, a, this is an amazing statement and it has come true. I tell men who are struggling with pornography, if you will give me 45 to 60 minutes a day of meaningful devotion, and usually I'll use the Experiencing God workbook as the first place for that. But it, I'm working with Bible college students and usually people that have been in the church a long time and, and I'll have them, you know, talk to me about their spiritual life. And I'll say, if you give me 45 to 60 minutes a day in three days, you can be porn free for the rest of your life. Three days. Why? How much time does it usually take for people to look at porn? Well, it depends on how bad the issue is. How, how much do you want to change? That's a chunk of time. But that chunk of time is sitting and interacting with the living God who has power to give you manna for the day's challenge. But because you're so empty, you need more manna tomorrow and you need more manna the next day and you need more manna the next day. What I notice is that people will do this and they'll do really, really well and then they'll skip a day. Guess what happens when they skip a day? They go right back to the old behavior because it takes a while. In fact, research has said that it takes a full 21-day cycle to change your brain to do better because your brain is pulling apart the negative connections and putting together positive connections. And it cannot do that in four days. It needs cycles of 21 days. And so I want to show that to you coming up with transformative journaling. Because there's a way to do that in journaling. But this is one of the things that I started doing a long time ago. And it actually works. I had a guy that I still see from time to time. I know him really well. And he called me at eight months after I worked with him. He was, he was my first person that quit in three days. And he called me eight months later. And he said, I have to confess to you that I am back to looking at porn. Well, if you know me well enough, number one, I'm not scared. And number two, you can probably figure out what I'm going to ask him. So, when was the last time that you had 45 minutes to an hour a day with God? He said, I don't remember. Then get started. You cannot Live the amazing life God wants you to live unless you are connected with Him. Not going to church, not talking to a therapist, not calling your best friend, not making a Facebook post. With Christ. The more stubborn the problem, the longer the amount of time initially it takes. And it costs you no dollars but your entire life. It's what it costs you. You must die to yourself, but it costs no dollars. Everyone can do it. So what I've noticed is that you may reach a point in time, and I don't know, I'm just going to say you for us, where we have gone as far as we can go on 15 minutes a day. We've gone as far as we can go on 30 minutes a day. And what God is saying is I'm drawing you into a deeper, fuller relationship with me. And to do that, You need more time. George Mueller, my very all-time favorite example of this. I don't know if you know George Mueller. George Mueller believed that he should never ask anybody for anything, but he should just pray to God. He ran an orphanage in London, and um, you you can read about his life, George Mueller, and um, he would pray three hours a day every morning about the needs of the orphanage. And he would never ask anybody for money. 
ever. He would just ask God. Now, I'm not saying that you should take that, but I want you to hear his story. He would pray a minimum of three hours a day. And if it was a really rough day, he would add an extra hour. And if it was a really, really hard day, he would add another hour or two. And then he would go about his day. Because he understood that God would take care of him. And he tells story after story after story about how his children got fed and how his orphanage was well cared for. Enough. I mean, he didn't have tons of money, but it was well cared for enough because God loved him and met that need. He didn't overly meet it. Remember, manna is not overly meeting a need because you know what happens to manna if, if it stays an extra day, right? It spoils along with the quail. Daily manna is to be used daily, except for the um, sixth day where you get enough for the seventh day. There are times that you can get enough manna for two days. I don't want to make a big metaphor out of this, but I want you to see that God does not intend for you to come to church on Sunday, have an amazing life without talking to him so that you can get filled up again on Sunday. It just doesn't happen. You'll live a subsistence life. If that actually goes on. And so this is, this is one of those elements that I would give to you. So let's talk about transformative journaling. Um, and then I'm going to let you guys have a little bit of chance to talk about some of these things. Um, I gave you the name of the um, author, Dr. Caroline Leaf. And she wrote a book called Switch on Your Brain. She is a cognitive therapist, Christian lady from South Africa. Um, and she is a neurobiologist who began working with people in the Soweto slums. These are the worst slums in um, South Africa. These are people that the government said, don't go there. We're not putting them in school. They can't learn anything and they will amount to nothing. And she went into those places in the, in the spirit of Christ and said, but they can learn and I will figure out a way to do it. And her whole research is based on working with people who are supposed to fail who could not read, who didn't have enough nutrition, who didn't have adequate housing. And she began to have success after success after success. And then she began to study this out. And what she saw was this. And I want you to think of two trees. The first tree I want you to think of as a dead tree that's all gnarly, that just really doesn't function well. It hardly has any good leaves on it. It's kind of like all dead. And what she said is that all of those negative emotions that I was telling you about, anger, rage, fear, malice, that are in your mind create a dead tree. It does not produce eternal life. And you actually have structures that move in that way. And when those structures produce more stress chemicals in you, it actually attacks your body and it ages you faster. Now I want you to think of a live tree, a beautiful tree, a, a virulent tree, a gorgeous tree that blows in the wind. And, and what Dr. Lee found was that actually when you create new learning, your brain actually branches out in dendrites like a tree. And you're able to have the right kind of experiences. And so she's like, how, how does that happen? So let me explain to you from her journal, from her research, a little bit about how you can get activated on that right this week. How do you change the brain chemistry that you have. Now you'll feel this in worship. So I want to start there. What she found was that worship prepares your brain organically for change. So I want you to think of somebody, and we use the, the phrase into it, into worship. You know, somebody who is, is caught up in worship, you know, loves the music, loves the words. I'm not talking about raising your hands, but somebody who's integrated, loves the song, is having an emotional reaction, is connecting with Christ, whether their hands are in their pockets or their hands are up. What she found was that worship, this is amazing, worship primes your brain for change. Primes your brain, gets it ready by changing the brain chemistry so that you can learn. It's really fascinating. So she actually took us through this experience at one of the conferences that I was at and talked with us about worship and actually had us get on our knees at some point and actually do some of these visualization kind of techniques. And she said, you can do this in about eight minutes a day. Eight minutes a day. So here's what I want for you to know. If you want to do transformative journaling, I didn't put it on here first because my slide wasn't big enough. I want to suggest that you start with worship. 
You write out all the things that you love about God. Make sure that you are connecting with him. You'll know. You'll know if you're connecting with him. You, you know what that's like. It could be music. It could be writing. It could be remembering. But that you spend some time expressing your appreciation and your love for God. And that begins to prime your brain. It, remember, remember, it moves from the right side over to the left side and activates that spiritual part of your brain that we talked about. And when that happens, you are ready for learning and transformative learning, which will actually make change go faster for you as a Christian person. Isn't it interesting that God has built Christianity to keep you healthy? No other faith does this than Christianity. So what she then says is that you have to become aware of what you're thinking about. You have to be in the moment. What am I thinking about and what am I feeling about? About what I want to work on. I feel bad that I yelled at my kids. And I'm having remorse about that. I really want to be a better person. You get in the moment. You recognize where you are. Or I'm, I'm doing really well today and I want to keep my patience moving. Is that in that moment you are brutally honest with yourself. Not not to beat yourself up, but to recognize that if you want to change something, you have to deconstruct that bad a tree and you have to re- you have to construct the good tree and you're going to ask for God to come in and help you do that and so it's like Lord you just need to help me get in the moment see what I really need to change I was thinking these things I was acting this way and I am repenting from that I need to be in this moment right now you just need to recognize where I am secondly what you do is that you have focused reflection is that what you're really looking at now is you're you're moving into that To basically say, who do I want to be? How do I feel about that? What's really going on? You kind of pull in. For all you introverts, you you will love this part. For all you extroverts, this could be really hard for you. This is not to stay stuck. This is for you to say, really, how am I doing? What's really going on in my life? Lord, how do I regulate? How how do I keep my emotions moving in the right direction? How How do I want to grow? What's really happening to me in some way? You can actually write these things out in your journal. You can write about your adoration. You can, you can write about your adoration. You can write about, here's what I'm experiencing. Then you can write about, okay, I've been doing this ever since I was a child and I really need to change this. Or I have this temperament. We were talking on this table about how they just went through the colors and I'm 83% red, which means on a bad day, I'm like a million percent in your face eating you alive. And uh, what I didn't tell them is that I do have a little bit of fun in me and I just warn people, if I play with you and I'm angry, it means I'm going to eat you. I'm like a lion and I can get very cynical and I can get very mean and I can really hurt you. I mean, I grew up in that family. I mean, we look innocent and then we devastate you. Do you know anybody else like that? I mean, I know how to do that really well. And I've worked really hard to deconstruct that so it doesn't feel normal anymore. Okay, that's it's one of those deconstruction trees. I mean, who wants a friend like that? That you're just playing around and then zam, there, there you go. I mean, that's really not very good at all. It was our way that we related to each other, super unhealthy. And so I had to deconstruct that and reconstruct a better way of doing things. And so what you're looking at now is this focused attention. I really need to be in this moment to ask the Lord to really help me. Um, Notice then that you write. And I like this part. I am part artist. You draw, you write, you, you, you think through who you want to be. You might want to draw a picture of something that's meaningful to you. Uh, what you're really doing now is you're taking your pencil or pen and you are doing a full body integration experience. You're not just thinking about it. You're not just saying it, but you're thinking about it. You might actually talk. But as you write and as you draw and as you create, you're actually integrating everything together. You're, you're pulling it all together for you, which is going to be really, really helpful. And then uh, number four is you're going to revisit you're going to actually say, this is what I need to do in order to move forward. So you've got this visualizing the end goal. And she says it takes 21 days to actually begin to get there. And you may need a series of these 21-day cycles to really work on something. And she suggests up to three, 63 days, up to three of these cycles for a particularly difficult problem so that you can be working on it and thinking about it. And she says, do this every day. It'll take you eight to 10 minutes every single day to do this, maybe even longer. But what you're now doing is you're visualizing that end goal. And you're, you're taking a look at, okay, that's who I want to be. And so I'm thinking, who do I want to be as a husband when I wrote that out? Because this is really what I was doing. I was sitting at the edge of my bed and I was thinking, who am I? And how do I, how do I feel about my wife? And 
What, what really stands in my way? And how do I really want to grow in some way? And who do, how, how does this all happen? And what was my dad like? And why do I not want to be like that? And how can I be something else? And how can I put that on a piece of paper? And I just wrote it out. It's really short. You know, journals are only like that big. It's like one page and a half of another one. It's very short. It's like four paragraphs. That's all it is. And it is life-changing paragraphs. Because I'm asking myself, what do I need to do? And then the last one is... What steps are you going to take? What are you going to do to get there? Get out of your chair. And go talk to your wife. Pray with her every morning before she goes to work. When she comes home, you hug her even if she doesn't feel like hugging you back because she's fed up with her fourth grade class. You love up on her and you give her what she needs and she will begin to change as all of that happens. And you make sure that you're filled up. And you get it done because the world is a hard place for you. And so these are your new doing it. And you don't build new connections efficiently until you act on them. You can write about them, get a sense about it. But when you act on them, your whole body goes into motion. Your whole body goes into motion, which is really cool. And as you go through this cycle over and over and over and over again, this is what Paul said Imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Think the way that I think. Act the way that I act. Ephesians, uh, that's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Yeah. Philippians chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be evident to all. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But with all prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Thanksgiving. Adoration, praise, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, if anything is worthy of praise, think on these things. Whatever you have received from me, seen in me, heard in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Do you hear it? Do you see it? Adore God. Imagine what it's going to be like. Set your mind. We've talked about Colossians 3. Set your mind. Focus on what you want to be and then go act like it. Act like the model. And you will be transformed. This journal follows Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. It's right there. You want to be different? She says it takes 8 to 10 minutes a day. I need a little more time. Because it takes me a little while to get there. But that's what she's talking about right here. Is that you will actually begin to be that person that you're trying to be. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9 will actually help you to do that. And your journal will help you. So here's something else. Um, and I need to quit here. Here's something else about the SOAP method of journaling. I just give this to you if you want to do that. If you really want to do a Bible study in your journal and then apply that, the SOAP method is really um, easy. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And you've got a couple of ways that you can actually look at that. So if you're a journaler or you're an artist... Um, you've got some things that you could look at for that, which could be extremely helpful. So, and I think I want to stop right there um, for tonight. And here's what I want for you to talk about. It's like, oh gosh, seven minutes till eight. Talked a little bit too long. I'm pretty emphatic about this. I want you to be able to connect with the Lord in a way that really changes you. And the scripture has laid it out and neurobiology has found it. (laughs) And I look at that and I go, what in the world would we have done without neurobiology? Well, maybe read the Bible and believe it. Maybe that would help us. So here's where you're at tonight. You are now in the heart of what spiritual formation is all about. And what we have found is the heart of it is this. If you will spend time connecting to God in adoration. And adoration is just simply acknowledging how amazing he is and how much you appreciate him. That's really all that it is. And then you will set your mind and you'll begin focusing in on who do I need to be? And what does that actually look like? And if I can write that out so I can keep track of it and I can remember because I'm going to be so busy in my day. 
and I can begin to visualize what that might look like when I go to Walmart or when I go to the office and I can actually commit myself to some steps. Here is the promise of Scripture. You will be more conformed to the image of Jesus no matter what your problem is. And I would say this, as long as you are organically able to get there. I understand mental illness and the frustration of that. But if your brain is functioning well, like Alzheimer's patients will really struggle with this. People who have other issues will struggle with it. I get that. But if your brain is functioning well, you'll be able to move in this direction. So here's my challenge to you. What are you waiting for? You, you have some of these options. So if you're going to really focus in and there's something in your life, I want to give you hope tonight. If there's something in your life or something in the life of somebody you love that they're really struggling with, tonight is, as far as we can tell, one of the fastest ways to begin the transformative change process. And I think that's really pretty amazing. Really pretty amazing. So... What I'd like to do is um, just close with prayer and then let you talk about this for just a little bit. What did you like about tonight? What do you think about it? Are there other questions that you might have? And um, when it gets to be around eight or so, if you just want to kind of drift off um, so I don't have to interrupt you, you can kind of keep track of some of the time. I know some of you have to pick up kids and all that. I don't want to like call time. I just want you to have a conversation. I'm just going to be hanging out here. I have an elders meeting I'm going to lead tonight. So I got to be upstairs at 8.15 so I can stay down until then. Um, But I'll just kind of hang around and you can just kind of talk a little bit about this. And then next week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you together and I'm just going to have you again talk about what are you learning and what do you think about this and if you've begun trying it. I'm I'm not going to make you feel guilty if you haven't because I know you're super busy and this might not be where you're ready for. But I just want you to know that eight to ten minutes is really what Dr. Leaf is saying can get you started with this because God is that powerful. So let's pray. Lord, thank you. So much that you have given us this method that is founded on your word, on the truth of your word, seen in the men and women around us who love you and is empowered by your spirit. Lord, we pray that you will keep conforming us to the image of Jesus every day, over and over again. We ask in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to a Wednesday night class from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these classes or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.